You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. I think this thing is finally over. The farewell to the, farewell to the Undertaker at Survivor Series 2020. Welcome to Instant Reaction. All right, let me mute this thing. You don't need to hear The Undertaker's music in the background. I think I'm probably going to be in that minority when I say this, but oh my God, that was tedious as hell. You know, let's bring back a ton of guys. That was kind of cool. Felt like I was watching a Yankee old-timers day, even though 80% of the guys that came back to tribute The Undertaker We've seen in the last year, but you have to admit, seeing Savio Vega was very cool. Seeing Phineas I. Godwin, not Midian, and seeing Henry O. Godwin, and by the way, couldn't tell the difference between the two of them. That was kind of cool. You know, seeing Kane dressed up as Kane, that wasn't bad. Kevin Nash coming out as Kevin Nash to the NWO music and not Diesel, that was fun. Triple H, oh God, Tri- Triple H so wanted to be announced last, you could tell. And he was essentially last because the only person after him was Kane. And of course it's got to be Kane. He's the freaking quote unquote brother of the Undertaker. But yeah, watching each guy come out, kind of cool. Figuring which guy did they miss. Yeah, that was sort of interesting. I mean, I, I really need to see Rikishi, but apparently they're friends. The Godfather, look, Undertaker fought the Godfather a lot, but it was before he was the Godfather. It was when he was Kama. Kama Mustafa, I think was his name. The human fighting machine? Something like that. But the whole thing took forever. And and let me ask you something. What did we do? The Undertaker's officially retired? Do we even believe he's really retired? Because I remember him closing out WrestleMania, stripping himself naked, essentially. I mean, he wasn't completely naked, but he took his hat off, he took his jacket off, and we all figured, silly me, silly us, he's retired. So is he retired, or is he going to fight in Saudi Arabia once there's a vaccine in nine months? You know what I'm saying? The whole thing, look, I have great respect for The Undertaker, I think we all do. I mean, he's my childhood as well. I'll never forget his debut. I was only seven years old. It was a big deal. And then the following year, the gravest challenge against Hulk Hogan, and obviously the way he was able to reinvent himself over the last, I wouldn't say 30 years, I'd say 24 years, because the last six years he hasn't exactly been around. But the farewell of The Undertaker, we've been saying farewell to this guy for a long time. And the problem is, I'm being serious here. The problem is, because of what happened at WrestleMania a few years ago, like I just alluded to, do I actually think he's really, really, really retired? He's probably retired, but is it possible he has a cinematic match with AJ Styles in a year? 
Is it possible he comes out and fights, you know, Seth Rollins in a year and a half? It's all possible. And the tribute took forever. I mean, they could have gotten that thing done in half the time. They announced all of these older wrestlers back, which, again, isn't as cool because we've seen most of them all the time. Like Jeff Hardy coming out isn't a big deal. Even Ric Flair coming out isn't a big deal. I'm telling you, the only guys that came out where you said, oh, wow, I haven't seen them in a while, were literally the Godwins and Savio Vega. That was it. Everybody else we've seen a million times. But the real headline was Vince McMahon. And it's not even his eyebrows. It's not even the way he looks. Vince looks, and I I feel bad saying this because he's a normal human who's aging, but he looks worse and worse every time you see him. And he sounds worse and worse every time you hear him. But the headline from Vince McMahon and the headline from The Undertaker Farewell, and we'll get to the, the rest of the matches and the card and what I thought was the main event. But the headline is that Vince McMahon used these three letters back to back to back. He said, and I quote, WWF. How about that? I mean, has Vince McMahon publicly used those three letters back to back to back since the World Wildlife Fund kicked his ass in court and made him change it to WWE? I mean, there may be people listening right now on this podcast, who don't even remember the WWE is the WWF. But damn it, the WWF is my childhood. And so we have seen slow progress over the years. First, they used to basically bleep out any mention of WWF in old videos. Now they kind of allow it. And then you had Vince McMahon, and he didn't even have to, but you had Vince McMahon saying WWF. Does it mean it's coming back? Is it possible they may make a deal with World Wildlife Fund and get the World Wrestling Federation back? Now, I know I'm dreaming. But overall, that was horribly tedious. It was unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. The Undertaker's entrance took 55 minutes, and usually those entrances are more exciting because you're anticipating some kind of wrestling match, not The Undertaker saying nine words and I'm going to rest in peace. Essentially, that's what he said. And I got to tell you, as the show was going on, I completely forgot about the fact that they were tributing The Undertaker. And when they started what I thought was the main event, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, I was thinking to myself, did they forget about The Undertaker or are they really going to have this be the main event of the night? And give The Undertaker credit, man. He had to do that in front of nobody. You know, I have fallen as a fan into that fake sense of, oh, there's a crowd there. The crowd's in with, the crowd's loud, even though that noise is probably 95% fake. And The Undertaker had to stand there for this emotional moment in front of five people. But anyhow, look, I'll take a beating. It sucked. I didn't really enjoy the ending. As far as the wrestling's concerned, let me start with the main event. Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre, because that was a hell of a match. It really was. I I felt, and I think probably most of us felt, Roman had to win. You know, you've got two champions, the WWE champion, the Universal champion. No one's losing the title. They're both going to come out of this thing looking strong. I think we knew that going in. But to me, the build of Roman needed the victory more than McIntyre. I mean, that's the way I looked at it. McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar. He defended the title for months and months until he lost to Randy Orton. Now he's won it back. And Roman is still establishing himself as this badass heel, which I've said a million times I think he's been doing a great job at. 
I think that continued tonight. And I think the I thought the match itself was very, very good. And even though I believed Roman was going to win, I, I don't want to say I knew Roman was going to win because just because I believe something doesn't mean it to be the case. I thought overall they gave you a couple of good false finishes. And I thought the ending was pretty good. The ending was really good in that they fully accomplished keeping both guys looking strong. You know, you got the Claymore kick where Roman falls into the ref, though. I don't think they actually had any kind of Drew McIntyre covering Roman Reigns, but the ref's not there for a one, two, three. I don't think they had that that match. Not that big of a deal. You had Jey Uso come out, so you're kind of furthering the Usos and the family storyline after he lost in the uh, the elimination match earlier. And then you had McIntyre not even getting pinned or submitting, just passing out. to What, what do they call that move? The guillotine? The guillotine submission move? Either way, it was a hell of a match. Hell of a match. The problem I have, and I've said this before, maybe not last year because last year they didn't have it as much, having the Universal Champion versus the WWE Champion, having the IC Champion versus the US Champion, tag titles, women titles, having these quote-unquote exhibition matches, to me, really don't, it doesn't serve a purpose. You know, it really hasn't. Last year, they took a break from it, even though they continued the Raw versus SmackDown and they included NXT last year. Remember, they had a genuine WWE title match and they had a Universal title match last year. And I was hoping that they would get away from this Raw versus SmackDown shtick because here's the problem. And I noticed this tonight and I've said this before. I watch SmackDown, I watch Raw. I can't tell you I watch every second of it. I usually do a lot of fast-forwarding, especially with the hours now and going back into the city to work. I don't get home till 8 o'clock at night. The first thing I'm not doing on a Monday is turning on Raw. So I find myself watching Raw quickly. But I think most people are like that. Some of us watch every second of it, but a lot of us just stay updated. That's the way I am. I stay updated on it. And I got to tell you, I don't remember who's on Raw and who's on SmackDown. And that's a problem. It's a problem to build a pay-per-view or a big event, whatever you want to call it, to build an event around supremacy of Raw versus SmackDown when most people don't even know who's on which brand. And the other mistake they made is the draft was recently. So you mixed it up recently. Look, over time, you start to remember, especially because, hey, I'm only seeing Roman Reigns on Friday. I'm only seeing AJ Styles on this day or Seth Rollins on this day. And so, yeah, eventually, even if you don't watch every second of it, you'll know who's on which brand. Fine. But they just had the draft. I mean, Seth Rollins being on SmackDown still doesn't even feel like he really is on SmackDown. So, you know, same thing with AJ Styles. I've thought of AJ Styles on SmackDown for a very long time. So that's a problem. And... They, they don't seem to care or address it because they've done brand supremacy for a half a decade. I mean, ever since, I think the first year they went to this again was 2016 when they had Raw and SmackDown split because they had that brief period of time where they made everything universal. So 16, 17, 18, 19, it's five straight years of this. And does anybody remember and or care who won the brand supremacy last year? And the thing with the titles, and because I'll get to Raw versus SmackDown, the thing with the titles is you're naturally, even though I thought they did a good job with Reigns McIntyre, you're naturally having one supposed heavyweight champion looking smaller. 
Because think about it, every time they've had Universal Champion versus WWE Champion, the Universal Champions won every time, if I'm not mistaken. was it? I think so, right, with Brock? Brock Lesnar against AJ, Brock Lesnar against Daniel Bryan. And now this, Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre. I forget, I don't even remember which is Universal and which is WWE. But I think, I think it was Universal Champion. All three times winning in the quote-unquote brand supremacy. And a lot of times, not all the time, a lot of times, okay, they fought each other. It was this cool exhibition match. It was a great match, and it was a great match. Now we move on and forget all about it. So Survivor Series is still one of those events that has name value to it, but they got to stop with this crap. And I know if you listen to my instant reaction to Survivor Series 2019 and Survivor Series 2018, I'll say the same thing. Well, yeah, because I still feel the same way. It's stupid. Now, as far as some of the other matches are concerned, I I don't have no idea, and maybe it'll lead to something, why they thought Raw sweeping SmackDown 5-0 was a good idea, but that's what they did. So AJ Styles, Riddle, Keith Lee, Strowman, and Sheamus get the clean sweep. Uh, Seth Rollins lays down. By the way, speaking of Seth Rollins laying down, so Seth Rollins gets on his knees and says, finish me off. Now, that sounds horrible, but that's what he did. I mean, let's be honest. Do what you got to do is maybe what he said. <laughs> All right, well, either way, it doesn't sound good. And Sheamus gives him his finishing move and pins him. How come he couldn't go all Vince Russo WCW on us and just lay down? Right? He's got to take a kick in the head. <laughs> Think about what Kevin Nash did with Hulk Hogan, the finger poke of doom, or Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett, or... Hulk Hogan and Stink. By the way, I'm noticing a trend here. That happened three times in a year. Think about that. Go back and look at WCW 99-2000. Three times you had a guy lay down in the ring and say, pin me. But Seth Rollins in 2020 says, no, no, no. You're not just going to pin me. You're going to kick me in the head. I think he's going away for a while, but still. Uh, So, yeah, Raw just destroyed SmackDown. I really don't know what else to add to that. Otis sucks, by the way. I just, I, I don't like it. I'm glad they took the briefcase off of him because he's a comedy character. And I don't even think he's that funny. Now, now I'm at the point where I don't think he's that funny. Now, I have an interesting opinion on Street Profits and the New Day. Tell me if you agree with me on this. Since the moment the Street Profits showed up on Raw, I just didn't get it. Like, I didn't find them funny. They talked a lot about, I don't even know what, and they talk about old wrestlers, which you know you would think I like, but I've just never gotten into the Street Profits. But when they wrestle, they're, they're really good. <laughs> so that's my compliment for the Street Profits. The New Day, I feel the opposite way about. Like, the New Day's shtick I'm into. It's okay. You know, I get it. I wouldn't say I'm fully into it, but it's entertaining. You know, the whole pancake thing, all the stuff they've done over the years. I just, I don't think the Street Profits are funny. I don't know what they're doing, but they are good wrestlers. And, man, that was a hell of a match. That was a really good tag team match. Uh, Again, kind of fit what I was saying about Reigns and McIntyre in that you're going to have these two tag team champions go at it. They're both going to remain tag team champions. Who needs the victory more? Clearly the Street Profits. The Profits are trying to establish themselves. They're trying to become legitimate, and they are legitimate. They are a hell of a tag team. So when they wrestle, I got nothing negative to say, but I just don't find them funny. So that's how I looked at that. Lashley and Sami Zayn was a waste of time. I mean, just an absolute waste of time. You may as well take the Intercontinental Championship and flush it down the toilet. You know, if you're going to have 
the chicken s champion which i'm okay with it's been a part of wrestling for a million times uh, for a million years they gotta put up more of a fight than that i mean that was just it's just nothing and Sami Zayn's a good wrestler Sami Zayn doesn't need to be just a complete chicken s kind of champion so that was a waste of time and it made the intercontinental title look like hot garbage sasha banks oscar it's exactly what you expected hell of a match hell of a match but again smackdown women's champion raw women's champion eh, what is so great about having them face each other there's going to be a loser i don't know who needed this one more to be honest i know you know sasha recently won the title against bailey but i guess really nobody did no one jumped out at me as needing it more but it was a very entertaining match they're both excellent wrestlers and blah that's all i got i mean what else is there to say because they're both moving on they're moving on back to raw and smackdown the women's elimination match i just didn't like it there was just nothing there was nothing i cared about in this match bailey gets pinned right out of the gate it appeared like they were making peyton royce look good but then she got pinned then natalia looked good but then she got pinned and then you've got Raw again just dominating Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, which I guess eventually they'll turn on each other and they'll have some kind of match. But they furthered this whole thing with Lana where, what is it, Nia keeps putting Lana through a table eight, nine weeks in a row. And based on Baszler getting DQ'd and a double count out, Lena's the sole survivor. I just, I don't know. I don't care. That's That would be my answer for that match. I just don't care. So overall, eh, it was okay. It was all right. The problem is you're dealing with, a, with an event that's broken, an event that used to be good. Now, I'm not going to tell you Survivor Series was my favorite event growing up because as a kid growing up, my issue with Survivor Series was the elimination matchups really didn't have much on the line. There were storylines involved. You know, they would bring all these rivalries together. But once they started putting a title match at Survivor Series, then it started to work better for me. And that was when I was only eight years old, because the first time they ever had a title match, a championship match, WWF championship match, Vince, was Undertaker Hulk Hogan. And I remember being all excited about it, saying, oh, this is great. Finally, we got a championship match at Survivor Series. And they continued that for a while. 92 was pretty good. Bret Hart against Shawn Michaels. What was 93? I don't think they had one in 1993. Yeah, I don't think they did. 94 was Bob Backlund against Bret Hart when they threw the towel in. Owen Hart made Martha Hart throw the towel in. 95 was one of my favorite. Bret Hart beating Diesel with the small package. I know that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. The small package. He put it on Diesel. He was faking a leg injury. So it started to become better once they put a title match in there. But over the last half a decade, they've broken it. No one actually cares about Raw versus SmackDown. And so tomorrow or Friday, when we get back to Raw and SmackDown, we basically have to start over and start our new feuds as we head towards, what's the next event? TLC and then the Royal Rumble. I am very intrigued to see what, what are they calling this thing again with the, with the screens? I forget, the Thunderdome, the Thunderdome. I am curious to see what the Thunderdome looks like at Tropicana Field since they're moving it out of Amway Center. If it looks different, if it's going to feel more like a stadium, what that whole kind of feel is going to be like. But look, overall, the event was mediocre. Uh, The Undertaker thing was tedious. Roman Reigns continues to be the best thing in the WWE. And I'm excited to see where they go with it next. 
So that's my overall recap of Survivor Series. And oh yeah, they brought the Gobbly Gooker back to win the 24-7 title and then lose the 24-7 title. The 24-7 title just has to go. I mean, it's so dumb. From the moment they brought it back with Mick Foley to the to now, where it's basically a prop for our truth. That's all it is. Uh, it's really, really, really stupid. But you know what? Whatever. So that's my view on Survivor Series. I hope you enjoyed it. You can listen uh, to me and Carton Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock on The Fan. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.